Welcome back to Rough in the Basket, the show that has basket in its name, but never talks about basketball. Well, today we are changing that. Stick around for the last few minutes of the podcast and we got a trade deadline special going on. But there was yes, some football, so we're still going to bring up some football. You know how it is here. We're going to become an XFL podcast pretty soon. That's just what's happening. And and also Arena Football is coming back in 2024 and uh, United States Football League somehow survived. So, you know, we're yeah. just talking about all that at some point. Anyways, welcome back to the podcast. Brandon Carr is here with me as always. How are you doing today? Doing great, dude. Yeah, it's uh, super heavy football going on right now. We're finally going to hit on basketball. I think you said we'll talk about that towards the end of the episode. But yeah, trade deadlines coming up with the NBA. Uh, LeBron James is close to breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record. So yeah, there's a lot going on. And the NBA All-Star teams have been announced too. So ton of stuff going on in the NBA. But yeah, we got a lot of football though. A lot has happened since the last time that we've recorded. Welcome back, by the way. Uh, You weren't here last week, but yeah, now we got, you know, we got our Super Bowl matchup, but we're going to get into the conference championship game first. Yes, sir. So we're going to start out with the blowout, I guess, you know, um, and the reason yeah. why we're so inspired to talk about basketball today is because like the Pro Bowl, one of their um, popularity oh, yeah, contests right. that like hitting golf balls and like throwing precision passing or something. I don't <laughs> even know what's going on. Why, why do they still have this event? Anyways, it inspired know, us to talk about football, uh, basketball a little bit. So that's what we're going to be doing. But um, to start off, Eagles 49ers, just a blowout of a game. And I think this game – so I, I was reading about a rule that the NFL used to have where they had like – it was a guarantee that you would have a third quarterback in the game active, and they changed that. But if you use that third quarterback prior to like the, the second uh, – third quarter or something like that, you had to keep playing him until the fourth quarter or or something like that. I don't know the exact rule, but they had a, a very interesting rule. I never knew this existed before. Um, absolutely what happened uh, in the game with the 49ers and the Eagles where, you know, that rule has since changed. And now they have only um, most teams at least have two quarterbacks active. And we saw uh, what happens when, you know, both quarterbacks go down. And unfortunately I've noticed throughout the years, like backup quarterbacks are very fragile. I mean, if you watch Tyrod Taylor, um, if you watch a lot of those guys that go in there, they go in there for a few quarters, they get hit, they're not used to it and they go down. That's just kind of, you know, what was happened. So that's basically, I mean, the summary of this game, Brock Purdy goes down early. The Eagles just dominate on defense. Brock Purdy comes back because Josh Johnson has a concussion. Um, and then he can't throw the ball. So then you, I mean, I don't even know what they're doing. Like at that point, look, I would have been like, all right, Christian McCaffrey, I don't care if you can't throw, like you're playing quarterback right now because they would have been better off, honestly, with Christian McCaffrey throwing three interceptions than what they did with Brock Purdy. Like you <laughs> yeah. couldn't throw, everybody knew they were running the ball. It made no sense. Like I get, they were down 21 or 24, whatever it was at that point, And there was very little chance they were going to come back at that point. But you have to at least like throw another guy in there and and, and actually throw the ball down that situation in that situation, even if the guys might not be a quarterback, you know? Yeah, dude, that was I think we were robbed out of a really good game. Um, I know I picked the Eagles to win this game, but man, it, we got I think we did get robbed out of a great game. And unfortunately for Brock Purdy, like what an what a awful situation for him to. I think it was a UCL tear. Uh, it was on, it came on the sack, the strip sack force from Hassan Reddick kind of throw in motion. And then like a bunch of like, I, I don't know if it was like his nerves just like went all the way up to his elbow and, and something just kind of messed up there or whatever. But yeah, I mean the game overall though, I mean the 49ers, like 
their defense tried to do what they can do to kind of keep them in the game. But even like the Eagles, like they were able to just kind of pound the rock against them. Like Jalen Hurts had 39 yards. Gainwell had 48. Miles Sanders had 42, 21 yards from Boston Scott. There was four rushing touchdowns from the Eagles. Like they just kind of just ran all over the 49ers. And the 49ers also had a ton of penalties this game. There was a lot of self-inflicted mistakes. They had 11 penalties for 81 penalty yards. Like there were so many times in this game where like 49ers would get a stop on the Eagles and the Eagles, you would think, oh, like, you know, the the drive is over. They're going to go to the sidelines, but there's a penalty that gets a flag that gets thrown and it's for, I don't know, unnecessary roughness or a face mask or hold in. Like they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. It was really, it was really bad, but um, yeah, but the, you know, the 49ers kind of, where do they go from here? Well, now, you know, Tom Brady, he's retired. So that kind of weaves him out of the question. You got Trey Lance. He's still sitting around. Brock Purdy is going to be out now, I think, for six months. So he'll be back in like July or August. I think it'll probably just be, you know, a situation where there's a quarterback competition between Lance and Purdy and see who wins that battle. I mean, you invested in a lot of draft picks and Trey Lance, he's kind of you know, you can't really trade him. He's going to, he's, you got to have to see if he's something, if he works out and, you know, Brock Purdy, at least you have the the luxury of having a guy that you can start if Lance is not really that great, but yeah, the 49ers just, you know, unfortunate. They were playing Christian McCaffrey, a quarterback at this point in the game and Josh John, like it was just a, it was a total, total mess. And, you know, I, I, George Kittle, he talked about it kind of after the game uh, reporter asked him like, how do you feel, you know, playing in an NFC championship game or losing an NFC championship game without a quarterback? And, you know, he he said it felt pretty awful. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> I feel like that's kind of like, you know, how I would feel too. But yeah, it was just a it was a, a brutal game. The Eagles took advantage of, you know, the the 49ers not having a quarterback and just were able to capitalize on all the penalties the 49ers had and were just able to put up 148 rushing yards on them and kind of close this one out pretty quickly. See, that's why the NFL is just so unpredictable. Like who would have thought that Brock Purdy would be perfect in the game, literally not have an incompletion and then they would lose by 24. And then if you read the other stats, like Jalen hurts at 121 yards uh, throwing with yeah. no touchdowns, he had one, uh, one rushing touchdown, obviously, but then he had, 11 carries for 39 yards. They did completely contain Jalen Hurts, basically, except their penalties really racked up. And, I mean, if you look at it, no running back had over 3.8 yards of carry on the Eagles. Like, yeah. it's just crazy to see, like, what happened, honestly, because, you know, reading these stats, you would think, like, the 49ers won, and they won by a lot. But then you look at the touchdowns, and it's like, how did this even happen? You know, the NFL, uh, they, they got their script uh, a little bit twisted and, and it's rigged. So that's no, I'm just just kidding. Just kidding. Dude, it's like, I don't know if you've actually seen that interview with, um, oh, dude, what's his name? I'm, I'm blanking. Foster, Foster. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Texan, great. I mean, dude, he was like straight up sarcastic saying like, oh, NFL's, you know, the rig, dude. we got script every season. Like, dude, he was straight up just making jokes and everybody's taking it seriously. Like, wild stuff. Oh. If if anybody has Twitter, go on. I think a PFT from Barstool tweeted like the clip of Arian Foster saying it. Just just read the replies, bro. It I mean, it's some of them are just so funny. It's like Matt Ryan when he sees the scripts, the season Super Bowl Fifty One season or something, and it's just like a bunch of those different types of videos of like players seeing like the script from that year and like 
you, you go check out that thread. Uh, I highly recommend it if you have a Twitter. Go go check it out. So funny. Yeah, dude, crazy times for the NFL. But I will say um, that game was not entertaining at all. It was honestly, it was rough. I don't know why yeah. I kept my TV on. Well, my laptop, since I'm, you know, still here in Columbia, um, why I kept my laptop glued to this game, even though it was like down 24, they were down 24 with like 10 minutes left. And like, I knew nothing was going to happen. I don't know why I was watching this game. Um, so onto the other game, uh, since, you know, that game actually did have a lot of action and did not let anybody down. I mean, we almost went to overtime. We almost had an overtime under these new playoff rules. Uh, but you know, Right. Unnecessary roughness. I've seen this happen so many games this season where a team, a team's down their their drive looks, you know, to be over. And then they get hit in the back of the a quarterback running out of bounds, very obviously running out of bounds. And somebody just comes in and nails them or pushes them. And it's like people, you know, I see I see it split like 50 50 where some people are like, you can't call that in an um, AFC championship game. But then again, it's like the rules are the rules. And I mean, it was a very it wasn't like. The dude just tapped him and Patrick Mahomes just went flying. Like he did, you know, push into him when yeah. he was out of bounds, clearly already. You got to call that. Uh, but overall, the game, super exciting. I mean, this had me like actually glued to my seat. Uh, I think the crazy thing here is that Patrick Mahomes is, um, you know, the guy that everybody thinks he is. Really, like that's what yeah. it comes down to. The dude was playing with – um. You know, uh, what What was it? A, uh, High a ankle sprain. Ankle, yes. Could yeah. be even worse than we know. We have no idea. I mean, when he was on the field, it was pretty obvious he was limping around. But, I mean, it, the, the season's almost over. He went out there. He did what he had to do for his team. And they came up in a big way. Um, two touchdowns, 326 yards. Joe Burrow, uh, look, didn't have his best game. I still don't think it was like an absolute ter- absolutely terrible uh, performance. But the Chiefs defense definitely deserves a lot of credit for how far they've come over the last year and a half. I remember, you know, a year and a half ago, start of the season, five, six, seven, eight games in, whatever it was, a year and a half ago, we were talking about the Chiefs and their defense looked awful. I think they were like four and four. Their defense was, I mean, atrocious. One of the worst yeah, in the I league. Remember. Yep. And they, uh, I mean, they just stopped the one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league, top three quarterback right now in terms of current talent, Joe Burrow. And uh, being able to at least limit what he does, I mean, props to them. And I think the Chiefs defense definitely deserves a lot more credit. Like, yeah, definitely give credit to Mahomes for, for going out there and doing what he did with um, a very serious injury. But, I mean, Chiefs defense and, and whoever their defensive coordinator is, I'm, I'm not too sure off the top. I'm a little ignorant in that department. Probably should have done Steve more. Spagnuolo. Dude, that guy deserves a lot of credit. Yeah. He was the defensive coordinator for the Giants, those teams that won the Super Bowl against the Patriots, unfortunately. But. Yeah, kind of my thoughts on this game. A lot of people are up in arms, and you know the whole NFL rigs thing kind of started from this game. Fans obviously are going to get ticked off because of like quote unquote bad calls. Uh, I think the Joseph Asai play. First of all, I think some of the Bengals teammates could have handled that situation a lot better. Uh, there was a player. Uh, there was a clip of a player uh, yelling in the locker room, like, "Why did you touch the quarterback?" Like. You know, a player like that who's – he had a really good game too. Like Joseph Asai played maybe one of his best games of his career. Like he had four pressures. He had a tackle for loss. He had a couple quarterback hits. He played really good. And, you know, he was obviously very upset on the sidelines. And this is going to be a play that's going to haunt him for probably the rest of his career. Like I wish I could have seen a little bit more support for him. Um, there were – I mean, not saying that like nobody supported him. I mean, there were players obviously coming up to him and making sure he was okay and kind of giving him a pep talk. But – there were a couple of Bengals teammates who I think could have handled it a lot better. Um, 
So, you know, with Joseph Asai, like it's just one of those plays where it could have been like a bang bang type of play, like they're going full speed ahead, but you know, he had his arms out, he pushed them. That is unnecessary roughness. Like you have to call it as much as you know, maybe people think Mahomes sold it, but I mean, you you have to you gotta call that play, you know, and you know, there were a lot of people who were complaining about like non-holding calls, uh an illegal not the 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 referees not calling an illegal block in the back on the sky more punt return on that drive. Uh the extra play that the Chiefs got where they blew like the third down conversion dead. You know, the referees like it's it's a hard, hard job to be a referee, man. Like it, there's a lot of pressure and you have to know like a bunch of different rules and stuff, and it's a hard job to do. Obviously, like the referees are gonna have bad calls, like that happens, but it's part of the game. Like the Bengals, they could have won this game. They had a couple turn. They Joe Burrow had a couple of interceptions. Maybe they weren't his fault, but you know there was a couple turnovers. They had an opportunity to go down and try winning the game, and they couldn't do that. So you know, I don't think it's totally on the referees. And yeah, the Chiefs, you know, on their side of things, I mean, I think the MVP of this game could either go to Patrick Mahomes or Chris Jones. Chris Jones is an absolute monster. Uh, he's going to be a huge factor in this game against the Eagles in the Super Bowl. But he had 10 pressures. He had two sacks, three tackles for a loss. He has become one of the best defensive players in the league. He's a, an absolute freak. They were lining him up on edge. And those Bengals, you know, backup offensive linemen they had in this game were really getting beat, like, it was it was rough. Uh, Joe Burrow was pressured twenty three times. He was sacked six times, and yeah, the Chiefs were just able to capitalize on that. And Mahomes was absolutely unbelievable, even on a high ankle sprain. Even for him to, you know, he tweaked his ankle in this game and then made that play to run for a first down. I know we got pushed like we just talked about, but for him to even make that play with a high ankle sprain is very impressive. So. Yeah, I think the Chiefs definitely deserve to win this game. And, you know, we'll talk about the Super Bowl next time, next week. But we think we're going to have a really good game between the Eagles and the Chiefs. I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl, which I will be back in Massachusetts for. So, you know, it's going to be a man. fun time. I know. Get a, I don't know what I'm going to do for it yet, but we'll see what happens. Uh, you got a sports bet, bro. Now we have, now it's legal here. So go to the casino and oh, make a that's right. Life. Yeah, yep. yeah, that's right. I live like right on the border of um Massachusetts and Rhode Island, so I, I always went to Rhode Island anyways, just like everybody. Yeah, there else. you go. Go to uh, what is it, Twin Rivers? Yeah, yeah. They they changed the name. I don't know why they changed the name. Oh, it's like Bailey's or something now. It's very. Oh very my weird. god, oh, they changed the name. Whatever, but yeah, yeah. But back to sports. Sure. So, <laughs> so there was um some other things that happened in the NFL world, a little more low key, but some head coaching hires. Was Sean Payton going to the Broncos? Obviously, big move. Dude, the Broncos traded away a substantial amount of draft capital to get him. Like, they gave up their other first-round pick. I think everybody forgets they had a second first-round pick. Um, but they gave that pick up for, uh, essentially, for Sean Payton, along with, like, I believe it was a fourth-round pick and something something else. I'm not too sure what it was. But, um, all right, so I'm going to give the floor to you. Do you think that this is going to work out long-term? Because I know everybody loves to give Sean Payton a lot of credit, and he is a very good head coach. He's good at what he does. But he did only coach for one team for a long time, and there were some seasons that he went 7-9. and nine. So I just want to throw that out there. Do you think this is going to work out as good as everybody thinks? I mean, I think it should. Like, it kind of has to work out. Um, Sean Payton is a very good head coach. Uh, this is a guy who – you know, when he first, like the Saints before Sean Payton were a really awful team. 
uh they were weren't they known as like the Aints? like that was like their nickname they were a very poor team and then sean payton kind of came in obviously they got drew Brees and stuff and really changed things up and they just became a really good team they've been you know they're sean payton's a super bowl champion uh the saints have made the playoffs numerous seasons they could have could have made another super bowl if it wasn't for you know that pass interference call in the rams game or even if they didn't you know unfortunately you know become victims to the minnesota miracle uh you know it's just stuff like that i think is just um yeah, like the Saints could have had a lot more success, but that doesn't even take any, take anything away from Sean Payne. I think he's a very good head coach. Uh, he's someone who specializes with quarterbacks. And I think, you know, with the Broncos last season, I think a lot of like their uh, where they didn't succeed, I think could have I think Nathaniel Hackett obviously played a factor in that. Um, I think Russell Wilson was given a little bit too much say in the offense and they were he was trying to do things that he wanted to do but you know Russell Wilson is like a more of a uh, a guy who's better on rollouts and someone who you know you got to incorporate the play action and take those deep shots that he's so good at like Russell Wilson is has been one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL I think Sean Payton kind of understands that and he's someone I think will he'll be more of a leader than Nathaniel Hackett was and I think he'll kind of keep Russell Wilson in check and I think he'll be good with Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson is friends with Sean Payton. Like they have a good relationship. Uh, I think they, I think he had talked about it. Like, you know, they've been, you know, together in like the pro bowl and stuff like that. They developed a relationship like Russell Wilson and Drew Brees are friends. So I think it, it should work out. He's going to get an an absolute bag though, from these Walmart owners for the Broncos. They're going to, they're going to pay him. Like I could see, upwards of like 17 to like 20 million a year he's gonna get a a bag and i think he's someone who again he's a very good head coach he's been one of the most well-respected head coaches and can he fix russell wilson we'll see and that's to be determined but they have a very good defense they have a lot of good skill players and Cortland sutton and jerry judy they'll have jolante williams coming back from injury and tim patrick coming back from injury they have greg dolchik who i really like at tight end and you know, they, they have a lot of guys. So Sean Payton could make it work. I think this was a great move by the Broncos. I think, you know, they gave up the number 29 pick in the first round and they gave up like a second round pick in 2024. So I think um, it's not like a, a massive amount of uh, draft capital they gave up. Like there's been moves where coaches have gotten traded and it's kind of worked out. So I do like, um, I do like this move and I definitely think it could be beneficiary for, the Broncos and it really it has to work out because Russell Wilson's going to be here for a long time you really can't get out of his contract so you got to make it work and I think Sean Payton is a very strong candidate to be able to kind of right this ship yeah I mean so he does have history on his side here uh, so there's been four times that a NFL team has treated a first rounder for a head coach there's been seven times, well, prior to Sean Payton, there were seven times where a head coach was traded from one team to another, but only four times that it involved a first round pick. And those guys are John Gruden. He got traded to the Buccaneers in 2002, won a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl immediately, worked out. Bill Belichick, don't have to go into that. Everybody knows it worked out. Bill Parcels in 1997 got traded to the Jets and like he went over 500. It wasn't like maybe what they had expected, but made the playoffs, got a few playoff wins and had was like seven games over 500 in his tenure worked out for the most part. Uh, And Don Shula, I mean, one of the greatest head coaches of all time. So 
he does have history on his side and Sean Payton in his own respect is a very good uh, respected and loved head coach around the league. Um, So I think it will ultimately work out like Russell Wilson. He's not some dude that doesn't have any talent. I think this year there was a lot of change for him. I think he underestimated how big of a change it is playing in a different market, playing with a different head coach, learning a completely different system, being around different players. They had some injury issues, particularly at the running back position. Um, Obviously, Javante Williams, who I was super high on coming into the season, got injured very early on. I think you bring him in there, who uh, actually did lead the league uh, last year in broken tackles, which is a very impressive stat. So it really shows like they do have the elements there. Jerry Judy did take a huge step forward, um, despite the fact that Russell Wilson really didn't do that much this year. Took a huge step forward this year compared to the last few years where last year didn't score a touchdown. Then the year before, um, I mean, he he was OK, but he didn't like show the flashes that he, a lot of people expected him to have from the get go. So. I think with that being said, the Broncos are in a pretty good position. Their defense overall is still pretty decent. So if they can just improve on the offensive side of the ball, which Sean Payton is known for doing um, and being great with executing as a head coach um, on the offensive side of the ball in particular, I think that they'll be able to um, have success there. So I think realistically, super, super early in the offseason still, but I'm saying they will probably get to, if I had to guess, 10 wins. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 10 wins again this year. Hopefully I'm right this year. What would you grade this? Like, but what would you, how would you grade this higher? Like an A, B? How do you I feel? mean, like considering the other candidates out there weren't that impressive compared to Sean Payton being a head coach that have obviously had a very long tenure with a successful football team. I think I think I would give it like an A minus B plus just because the B plus maybe because they gave up the first rounder. But like I said, he does have history on his side with that. So, yeah, we'll see how it works out. But I'd give it a B plus. I, yeah, I, I would give it like an A, to be honest. I think this was a this was a great hire. And I think for the situation that this team is in, I think he was probably the best candidate. I know there was conflicting reports, too, with Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter, whether or not. The Broncos were also talking to D'Amico Ryans right before they were talking to Sean Payton about finalizing that deal. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, D'Amico Ryans were about to get into him, but yeah, I think with the Broncos, I think it was a uh, it was a great hire for them, and it's hopefully I think you can only go up from here. So I do feel like they're going to bounce back and have a pretty good season. I could see them making the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. I think this is definitely an upgrade from what they had before. And also the Nathaniel Hackett hire for the Jets as their offensive coordinator. I think this could come back to bite me in the butt, but I think that was a terrible move. I do not understand why after seeing what he did with Russell Wilson, having a capable guy, a capable quarterback there and Russell Wilson looked like he just couldn't throw the ball more than 10 yards this season. I mean, I don't know what they're thinking. Yeah. I think the big plan there is probably Aaron Rodgers. That's why everybody else is suspecting. But yep. yeah, we'll we'll go into that a little bit deeper in the offseason when, when we're talking about free agency and stuff like that. But you brought up D'Amico Ryans, who got hired by the Texans, obviously. And this is their third coach in, in three years. And all I got to say to the Texans is if he goes 2-15, and 15, if he goes 1-16, and 16, if he goes 0-17 his first year, you cannot fire him. You cannot do that. Look, this guy, I mean, he just came off of having one of the greatest seasons ever as a defensive coordinator. Uh, I mean, the the 49ers defense is um, undoubtedly the best defense in the NFL. The only other defense you can really argue is the Eagles. I mean, they also had a really good defense. 
Um, and the Patriots are always up there, obviously. But D'Amico Ryan's killed it this year. He's been doing good the last several years. Um, a very young guy. I mean, dude, I remember when he was drafted. Like, I feel super old saying yeah, that. I, I believe know. he was drafted in 2006, if I'm not mistaken. I think that was my first year ever watching football. It was 2006 or 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's crazy to see, like, this guy is now a head coach uh, going from defensive coordinator to head coach super quick, very fast rise. I think they need to, I don't know how their offense is going to look the the year one. I'm assuming they're probably yeah. going to have a rookie quarterback. If everything works out, they're probably either going to have CJ Strude uh, or, or they're going to have um, Bryce Young. Bryce, yeah. See what yeah. happens there. But um, I mean, look, their defense, I think is, not i mean the texans defense was actually the one thing that actually did not look like it was um terrible this year i mean to put it simply it looked middle of the pack definitely not in the top 10 at all but their defense was okay so i think he has a starting ground to improve the defense already from the get-go um and also on the offensive side of the ball they're gonna i don't know their offensive coordinator situation did they did they get rid of their offensive coordinator is he still there I think Pep Hamilton's still on the staff, but I could see them like, th- like that's going to be the whoever the offensive coordinator is is going to be very important because D'Amico Ryan's is a defensive guy, so you really got to hire a good offensive mind. Maybe they keep Pep or they bring someone else in. See, that's my only doubt with this hire, uh, and yeah, no. So they actually got rid of him. So oh, he's gone. Hiring, okay, they're actually hiring a, a Patriots guy, Nick Cayley. You know anything about Nick Cayley? He's the wait. Was this? I didn't even see this. I didn't even know about that. Um, yeah, they're, they're uh, yeah. So they're Nick Cayley's. Yeah, Nick Cayley's like their tight is the Patriots' tight end coach, and he was he was in the running to be the Patriots' offensive coordinator, but obviously now we have Bill O'Brien. But um, yeah, I didn't see that. Is that is that confirmed? I must have um, missed that. Yeah. So I think, man, this is. This is interesting. So I I believe that they have not officially let Pep Hamilton go, but they're uh, assuming that he's probably not going to return under D'Amico Ryan's. They okay. haven't confirmed it yet, but right. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it is Nick Cayley. Uh, I mean, he hasn't had any experience calling plays, so I'm not too sure about that one. But yeah, I mean, to talk about like D'Amico Ryan's though as a whole, I think this is another a an a hire if I'm grading it. I think D'Amico Ryan's look. You saw him. Like, like we you were watching the 49ers game. Like you see him on the sidelines and like how like his his players embrace him as soon as they like make a play and they get on you know they get the team off the field on third down and like he he's a players coach he's a leader and he's you know like Lovey Smith and and uh, David Culley the last two Texans head coaches were kind of like joke hires. This guy is serious. This is a guy who played for the Texans. Like you said, he was drafted by the Texans. He had he was defensive rookie of the year for the Texans. Like this is this is a situation where he wanted to go to Houston. He's loved by the fans. He I, I believe he even said like this was his dream job. Like this is the team that he that drafted him and spent like most of his career with. Like this guy wanted to go here. And I think this is gonna be a great hire. I think their defense is gonna be a lot better. Um you know, I'm expecting some pretty big things from like their second year players. And, you know, the Texans are going to make some moves this offseason, obviously. But yeah, I'm this was a great hire. I mean, I don't expect them to like fix this thing right away. 
but I think it I think D'Amico Ryans is gonna have this team going in the right direction. I think this team will be competitive. I don't think they'll be a playoff team in year one of D'Amico Ryans' tenure, but I think you'll see kind of like your Lions, like, oh, like there's some promise with this team and you know, they'll have a rookie quarterback. They have a first round pick, another first round pick too. They can draft somebody. So uh, they, they have a real chance to not turn this, they can turn the ship around and kind of steer it into the right direction. But I don't think that this, they're going to make the playoffs in their first season, but yeah, this is, this was a home run hire. I think too, just like kind of like Sean Payton's hire. I think this was kind of a perfect fit, like a young coach, a player's coach, a leader, a guy who can establish a culture, and he's going to relate to the younger players. So I think this was absolutely perfect for them. You know, I would compare this hire to the Robert Sala hire from a few years ago with the Jets. I think looking back on that, that was a really good hire, despite the fact they finished like 7-10 and this year and they lost their last several games of the season and really struggled to the end of the year. I mean, it was evident that that was all on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball. The Jets were, like, really, really improved this year. They they took it up um, big time just to get to 7-2 and two or 7-3. and three. The way that they started off the season was impressive, and I think that they have the precedent now where if they just get a good quarterback in there or just a decent quarterback, just a Derek Carr-type guy, they will they will win at least nine games and finish over 500, which I can't say about the Jets for uh, a long time since – uh, many years. I can't even think of how many years it's been probably since the Rex Ryan days. Uh, it's been a while. So I think that that move overall, the Robert Sala hire, looking back at it, despite the record that they had this year, I think it was a good hire. And also he came from the 49ers as well. Did really well as the defensive coordinator. D'Amico Ryan did um, arguably even better than he did as a defensive coordinator and took that defense up from being like a top three, top five defense to the number one defense in the league and like a historic defense. So I think with that being said, this is going to be a good hire, but I don't think we should expect immediately that they're going to go from like, you know, three wins or four wins, whatever they had to like nine wins and being a playoff team. This isn't going to be a Doug Peterson thing. There's It's going to take time, but we'll see what happens. Um, and I think overall year three is going to be the big year for D'Amico Ryans. Yeah. And I think the only thing they just got to figure out is who's going to run the offense. Like who's the offensive coordinator going to be. I think that's going to be very important, especially if you're going to be drafting a Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or whoever the Texans decide to take a quarterback in this year's draft, like you need to find that guy who is going to be a, a good with the quarterbacks and could develop your quarterback and can, can kind of instill a good offense. But yeah, to me, will be hands-on with like the defense. And obviously he's just going to be a very good culture guy and a leader. So I'm, I'm expecting some big things from this team and, Definitely not this year, but I think, you know, next couple years, three years, I think you'll see the Texans kind of make their way back into the playoffs and be a team that is formidable. Yeah, and there was one more head coach hire that was really notable, which is obviously Frank Reich with the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers probably would have hired Ben Johnson, but, you know, Lions offensive coordinator decided to uh, pull himself out of that mess and go back yeah. to home, the homeland Detroit, you know? So uh, I'm thankful for that because that guy won us some games this year. So with that being said, Frank Reich. Um, so just real quick, I would say I'd probably give this hire like a B minus. I think this was probably, I, I would say this was overall a good hire. Like if you look at what Frank Reich did with the Colts, like were they anything like absolutely fascinating? no. But did they were they competitive the majority of the time that he was there? And I think that's a yes. And I think like just being competitive at this point is what Carolina is looking for. However, I do think their um their last uh head coach, their interim um coach, I should say, Steve Wilkes, right? 
Yep. I would say the only reason I'd give this like a B minus, uh, like a fringe C plus is because I feel like they should have given the job to Steve Wilkes. Like they had nothing to play for and they were competitive, like till the end of the season, uh, which is huge with Sam Darnold. with a guy that wasn't even expected to play this year. They went through PJ Tucker, Baker Mayfield left the team like halfway through the season. It was an absolute mess. Um, McCaffrey got traded. I mean, this team should not have been six and six under Steve Wilkes. And to see that man go, I think this is like a little bit, definitely a huge injustice in the NFL because I think he should have gotten at least a chance to be there for a few years and see how things work out. Because going six and six under that situation, that's like the equivalent of going like nine and three on on a really good team, in my opinion. So, what would uh, what would you give this higher? I would say like a B plus, A minus. I'm a little bit higher on it more than you, but. There was like I think there was a report actually like today as we're recording this that some Panthers players I don't know if it's true but there was a little bit of friction because they wanted Steve Wilkes like you were mentioning to be the head coach over Frank Reich which means Steve Wilkes I mean put him in a position to make the playoffs I know it was a really crappy division but I mean the players seem to really like him and. I think he'll he'll find a job somewhere as a defensive coordinator. I could actually see him being the next 49ers defensive coordinator. I think that could be a good fit. Um, but, I mean, with Frank Reich, look, this was a guy, he was unfortunately in a situation where, like, the team had a different starting quarterback every single season. They had Matt Ryan. They had Phillip Rivers. They had Jacoby Brissett. They had Andrew Luck. They had Carson Wentz. Like, it was it was a revolving door of starting quarterbacks and, like, you have to install a, a whole entire new offense for a new quarterback. Like the Frank Reich had to do that. Like every single off season, there was a different quarterback. He had to make a new offense for or whatever, adapt their skill set to that offense. And, you know, I think that says a lot, like Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator or quarterbacks coach for wow. when the Eagles won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles as their quarterback. Like, I think this guy can coach offense and I think he's good for a quarterback so the Panthers are going to be in a situation this offseason where I do think they'll probably draft a quarterback. I really like Anthony Richardson from Florida. Maybe Frank Wright can kind of help out his mechanical issues and stuff like that and, you know, make him a more polished passer. Um, but I think it's, you know, Frank Reich, he's someone who he's a little bit on the older side. He's like, a, I think he's like 62, 63, but he's someone who has been coaching in the NFL. He's made the postseason. There's been some winning seasons for the Colts. Last season was a total disaster, but you know, I think he I think he was gonna find his way to being a head coach again at some point. I think he's too good of a coach to not be a head coach somewhere. And I think this is a good situation. You know, as much as the Panthers players and some fans probably really wanted Steve Wilkes, I think you know a lot of the great head coaches in the NFL nowadays are good offensive coaches. And I think you know, Frank Reich is a guy who, again, he's had winning seasons as a Colts head coach. He's had a revolving door at quarterback, and he really hasn't had that stability at that position. I think the Panthers are going to draft someone and hope that they can that hope that guy can provide some stability for them. I think that's super important. And Panthers have a good offensive line. They have some good weapons. They have a good defense. Um, I think this is a really good hire. So I'll say. I'll say A minus for my grade for this one. I've liked all the head coaching hires so far. Yeah, and that's definitely a fair grade, and I can see why you, you're definitely higher on him than I am. I'm not like a hater on him at all. I think he no. was very competitive, and he did a good job there with the the Colts. Um, in the majority of the time that he was there, and obviously, 
You saw he went like three, five and one this season or three, four and one, something like that. And then they they fired him and Jeff Saturday did terrible. And Jeff Saturday yeah. is still somehow the leading candidate for Indianapolis Colts job, which is a joke. How if, how is he that the the leading candidate? I don't understand. If Jim or say hires Jeff Saturday to be the head coach of the Colts, like they're they're gonna finish last in their division. That's gonna be my take. Yeah, that's fair. I will say the one thing about the Panthers that I am a little hesitant on, again, hiring a guy that has experience with a fluctuating QB situation is actually a very smart move because this, since Cam Newton, they have not had very much stability in that QB spot. So I think, look, I would love to see them give Matt Corral a chance at some point. I was high on him coming into the draft. I will say though, you know, I, I'm trying to like keep my comments on quarterbacks a little more low key this time because this time last year I was all in on Davis Mills and it didn't really work out. So <laughs> yeah. I could I could see Matt Corral being you know a Brock Purdy type guy or I could see him being a Davis Mills guy or I could see the the most extreme situation being something like a Jimmy Clausen just just because of the situation and uh, the Panthers. I'm still a little hesitant on seeing what happens with their QB situation and uh, you know we'll go yeah. more into that later this season, but. We do want to get into one last thing with football before we move on to basketball, and that's Tom Brady's retirement. The GOAT finally said it's over. Yep. Do you buy it this time? Do you think he's actually done? Yes, I do. I do think I, I buy it this time. Um, Yeah, like two, he'll be 47. He'll come back and join the 49ers. But, um, yeah, I buy it this time. I think, you know, it was weird last season him – retiring and then coming back obviously he's had a lot of stuff go on this off this season with his divorce and just a just a lot of personal issues for Brady and I think you know his team really wasn't that great like they made the playoffs but they were an eight and nine team in a really bad division like there was a lot of stuff going on with Tom and I think you know he just had a brand new movie come out 80 for Brady I don't know if I'm gonna watch it but maybe I will I've heard mixed reviews about it but um you know, I think there's at this point he's 45. Like I've said this for a while. Like, what else does he have to prove? He has like every record. He has the most Super Bowls. He's, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, you know, it's just that competitive fire in him. But like he's mentioned in the past, he wants to play till he's 45. And he's 45 now. I think, you know, he'll I think this will be it for him. I don't see him coming back unless if there's some crazy, you know, offer that, you know, a team gives him a ton of money, but that even then, like, it doesn't even matter because he's going to be making like, I think it's like $300 million from Fox or whatever to be their analyst. So like, it's, it's crazy. So I think Brady, I think he's definitely done this time. And, you know, again, he has nothing else to prove. Um, He's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's brought me plenty of great moments. I hope he decides to retire as a Patriot, sign a one-year, one-day contract, and I hope there's a statue outside Gillette Stadium because he absolutely deserves it. And you know, he's he's done a lot for the 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 you know our city, and he's done a lot. And he's the greatest quarterback of all time. So, hell of a career, and yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, Tom Brady done it all. Won super, won six Super Bowls with the Patriots. Won Super Bowl with the Buccaneers. Obviously, greatest of all time. What more is there to say? I think this is legit. This is the final. I will say yeah. though, uh, free my man Greg Olson. He he's actually a pretty good commentator. He's I feel not bad, bad, man. He's not. 
No, he's pretty good, man. He's not Jason yeah. Witten. I know we kind of crapped on Jason Witten a few weeks ago, but, you know, oh, <laughs> I mean, God, he's yeah. pretty good. So, but I don't think – I don't know if Tom, uh, Tom Brady's going to be on the same level as Tony Romo in terms of commentator. Uh, I think Tony Romo is the goat of commentating. That's just – Oh, man, I don't know about that now. He's He's gotten a lot – he's gotten a lot of – he's gotten a lot worse, I feel like. I think he's just a little bit too full of himself now. And, like, I don't know. I, f- I think he likes hearing himself talk. I mean, I like hearing the guy talk, so, you know, that's all. Uh, uh, I don't know, but <laughs> he's doing his thing, though. I, I give him credit, but I don't know. I, I've My, like, love for Tony Romo as a color commentator has kind of died off recently. All right, fair so, enough, fair enough. We all got our, our taste, I guess. But yeah. moving on to basketball, finally some NBA talk. So um, trade deadline, we'll start with that. So yep. I think it's interesting to kind of look back at past trade deadlines and kind of look at what to expect for this year. So – Last year, there was nine trades on the the trade deadline day. In 2021, the COVID year, you know, where everything kind of went crazy, there were 16 trades on the trade deadline day. And in 2020, there was only six. So it can vary. I mean, last year was really summarized by that gigantic James Harden for obviously Ben Simmons deal, which still the effects are definitely rippling in the NBA. Crazy time. Um, I mean, the year before was really summarized by the Magic. And what they did, they got rid of Aaron Gordon. They got rid of Nikolai um, Vucevic um, and also Evan Fournier, basically blowing up their entire team. So um, I think it's interesting to see what happened in the past years. And now here we are this year. And a trade deadline is coming up in a few days, uh, I believe about a week. And um, I will say that there's definitely some teams that need to make a move. One of them, of course, being the Mavericks. Look, if they do not get Luka Doncic help, this is an issue. This is a serious issue. Um, I see them talking about trading actually a few of their, uh, well, not I'm not going to call him a star player, but a rotational um, player, Dorian Finney-Smith. I heard that they're talking about trading him. Now, that's that's okay, I guess, because he doesn't really contribute that much to the Mavericks, but they have to do something for Luka. Come on, man. You can't be putting up 53 and be borderline losing or uh, winning by two. Like, Luka Doncic has realistically won this team, like, an extra 20 games this season. They would be probably the worst team in the NBA with without Luka Doncic. Maybe they would be, like, in the top four worst teams, but they need to give this guy help. I mean, do you have any recommendations or any thoughts on if they're going to make a move or? Yeah, like you said, he's kind of willed the Mavericks to a five seed. I mean, they've had some pretty good play from, like, Spencer Dinwiddie and Christian Wood. Uh, Christian Wood's been injured, though, for, I think, for, like, the last week, but... um. Yeah, they've uh, they really I think could make a move. I think I I don't know if it was uh, Mark Cuban or it might have been him. I don't know who it was, but they basically were just like, yeah, everyone on the team is uh, tradable except for Luca. So they could be a team that I could see making a move. They're the fifth seed right now in the Eastern, I mean the Western Conference. So they're in a position I think to compete. Um, I in terms of like players they could go after. The Toronto Raptors right now, their team I think is going to be, or they should be in sell now mode. I, their team that right now they're the 12th seed in the Eastern Conference. Like Fred Van Vliet is on like his last year of his deal. Pascal Siakam, you can probably yield a lot of return and back from him. And, you know, OG Ananobi, he's been a guy who's been really heavily rumored to be traded as well. So, the Raptors, maybe you try to get one of those guys. The Chicago Bulls are another team that I'm really disappointed. So could go, you know, big and try to get like a guy like DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine. I'm, I'm not sure about the Mavericks cap situation, if they can afford that. But 
they are definitely a team I think that will probably be, that should be active in the trade deadline. Like they need to uh, make a move and try to give Lucas some help. I think that's the number one thing. And, but yeah, cause you I mean, you got the nuggets, you got the Grizzlies, the Canes have been a surprise this season. You got the Clippers, the T wolves, the Warriors, Suns, jazz, the Pelicans, like the Western conference is pretty damn stacked. And, you know, you got the Lakers at 13, like they can obviously go on a run and make the playoffs too. So yeah, the Mavericks, I feel like that they should definitely be a, a team that should uh, try to make a move for a player. Is there any other teams that you think might make a move? And who do you think they might bring in um, on the top? I mean, like, do you think about, like, all the teams that are in, like, this win-now mode? Like, the Memphis Grizzlies could make a move. Their owners, I think, one of the richer owners in the NBA, so they can go over, like, the luxury tax that they wanted to. Um, maybe I they could be a, a team again. I keep saying OG and Anobi, but he's been super heavily rumored to be traded. So, like a guy like that who's very versatile on defense, who can kind of defend multiple positions. Like, I feel like that's kind of a good fit for the Grizzlies. They can use a player like that. Um, no, a team like the Denver Nuggets, if they decided they want to get Jokic some more help and Jamal Murray some more help, they could do it. The Celtics, I had known that they were rumored to be in talks with the Spurs about Jakob Poldl. I think they were asking for two first-round picks for him. Maybe they decided to pull the trigger on that. Um, you know, teams teams like that, I think, you know, that are on the top of their conferences, like tr- trying to compete now, like the 76ers, even the Milwaukee Bucks can make a move, you know, to, and try to, you know, try to make a move with some of these, like, teams that are clearly – you know, sellers right now. Um, the Lakers, that's going to be a very hot topic. Like, they just made a move to get Rui Achimura from the Wizards. Like, could Russell Westbrook be on the move? Like, what are the Lakers going to try doing? Are they going to just say, screw it? Like, let's try making the playoffs. We have LeBron. Like, let's make the most out of it. Um, there's a lot of uh, different avenues. But I think the Bulls and the Raptors are two teams that I feel like I think the Raptors more so are going to be a team that's going to be very active at this trade deadline and try to just, you know, coop up a bunch, as many assets as you can. Like I said, Fred Van Wheat's a free agent this off season. So if you try to, you know, get trade him and try to make a move to get out of that contract, like that's going to be something I think that they'll consider. See, I think this year is more intriguing than the past years, just because there's so many teams that are so close to each other. If you look at the standings, there's like approximately 14, 15 teams that are like over or under 500 by like four games. It's pretty crazy. I don't think I've seen this in the NBA almost ever. I mean, um, it, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think a team that we should probably look out for, I mean, two teams that come to mind really are, um, well, the San, the Sacramento Kings, obviously, seeing what they've been able to do this year. Yeah. And look, I mean, they had obviously that huge trade a few years ago. It wasn't on the deadline, I don't believe. It might have been. I don't remember exactly. But that huge trade with, uh, obviously, Sabonis for um, Halliburton, crazy trade. And it's kind of worked out for both teams. Like, look, the Kings, yes, they gave up a, a great point guard. I mean, the impact of Halliburton is very obvious, especially since he's been out. The, he's been out the last 10 games. And uh, basically, you know, they've gone one and nine in those games. So it, it basically goes to show like how valuable he is to that team and what they're trying to do. And they've been a big surprise too. they're four games under 500, but they've been hovering around 500 basically the entire season. Um, the paces that is. 
So the Kings, on the other hand, I think they they want to win. They're so desperate to get into the playoffs and really cement themselves as a, a contender or at least, you know, trying to have some kind of playoff experience. I believe they have one of the longest droughts in professional sports of not making the playoffs. They haven't made the playoffs since 2006. So that's, you know, 16 years right there. So that's a long time. Those fans are desperate. I think a lot of those fans at this point have either jumped to the Clippers or the Lakers or have uh, decided to go with another team at this point just because of the frustration those fans have ha- probably had, or Golden State, obviously, not all that far away either. Um, so I think with that being said, they don't really have that much draft capital since they gave it all away last year uh, with the the trade to, you know, obviously acquire uh, Sabonis. But I think they could get creative in some kind of ways and try to make some three-team deals happen and try to get some some um, bench pieces to maybe complete their their death a little bit more. Uh, I also think another team that is very interesting that we're going to see if they really want to ride this out or if they want to just completely blow everything up and get picks for what they have right now is the Utah Jazz, man. I mean, this team has been so interesting this year. They're 27 and 26. They have been able to hang in there again. I don't think that their success is going to be sustainable in the play-in. I don't know if they will even make the play-in. There's so many competitive teams in the Western Conference. Maybe the Lakers get hot. Uh, Maybe another team gets hot. I mean, Portland has kind of been hovering around that um, play-in game as well. And obviously, New Orleans has had some issues recently with Zion Williamson being out a lot. And they've kind of faltered as well. Now they're 26 and 26. So there's a lot of teams in there that could potentially make a move, but... I think being able to see what the Utah Jazz will do if they're a buyer or a seller, I mean, I couldn't really imagine them really taking on anything, but it's more so if they're going to keep the pieces they have. Um, Lori Markin in this year, 25 points per game, hitting 43% on threes. That's crazy for a he's big been a, He's been a stud this season. He was an all-star reserve too. He's been what a, what a great uh, season he's had. Yeah, well-deserved. And I mean, Jordan Clarkson's another guy who I feel like they've been talking about trading for a while now, um, who still is there. So we'll see what happens with that. But he's averaging like 14 points a game, uh, sorry, 20 points a game. And then you have um, Colin Sexton as well, who's been coming off that you know terrible injury he sustained last year for the Cavs, was out basically the entire season, played only about like 12, 13 games last year, averaging 14 points a game, hitting 42% from the three. I mean, then you have Kelly uh, Olenek, who's gotten traded pretty much like every season for the last three years. So he's a guy that could get traded to a a win now team. And then, I mean, you have um, obviously Mike Conley as well, who experienced point guard. Maybe somebody will have the cap space to take on his $22 million contract. I believe he's a free agent after the season getting up there in age, still putting up 10 and seven. So there's a lot of things that they could do. Uh, and I think that they're one of the most intriguing teams in the league this deadline. I ultimately think that they're not going to do a complete, you know, 180 like the Orlando Magic did a few years ago where they trade basically everybody on their roster. I think they will actually hang on to the majority of these guys and try to build around them. But I do think maybe a few guys that could be on the move um, include potentially uh, Mike Conley and also Jordan Clarkson, I think, may get traded as well. But I would be very surprised if they don't hang on to Laurie Markkinen. Laurie Markkinen, I think, is... I, I think they'll keep they're gonna definitely keep him just because of how great this season has been for him. Uh he's gonna be a guy I think they'll keep and he'll be kind of one of those like cornerstone pieces for them moving forward. Um a, a guy like DeAndre Ayton too for the Suns, like he 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 wanted to leave the Suns, but he didn't end up getting that contract offer he wanted, so he returned with the Suns. 
he has the power to pretty much like veto any trade uh you know if it, so he he kind of can like control like where he wants to go i think um so i could see like a situation where he gets ends up getting moved like the suns right now are eighth in the western conference it's also crazy i'm like looking at the standings right now it's kind of absurd how close the west is like you go from the clippers down to like the lakers the Clipper, the the Clippers are only four games ahead of the Lakers, and the Clippers are the four seed, and the Lakers are the thirteen seed. It's like kind of insane how close the the uh, the Western Conference is. I mean, kind of a little bit like the the Eastern Conference in a way too, but definitely more closer on the Western Conference end of things. So it it could really swing. Like the Clippers lose four games in a row, like they can they can be out of the postseason as a whole. They could be in the play in. It's kind of crazy, but um. Yeah, it'll it'll be an interesting trade deadline. I'm sure there'll be like one trade where like, oh crap, we didn't see that coming. Like, we could see, I could see like a big name like a Zach Levine or a Demar Derozan, like the Bulls get traded, or maybe the Raptors decide to trade Siakam, and that would be he be he would he would probably be like the biggest name I think that would be traded. Um, Toronto, like I said, is going to be a team that's going to be really interesting to see what they do. I think they should be sellers, kind of in the spot that they're in right now being 12th in the East and, you know, being seven games under 500, like you gotta, you gotta, I feel like you kind of have to sell your, sell the assets you have, but um, yeah. So I, I I mean, do you have any other like moves that under any other like players you could see being traded? Actually, I'm interested in seeing if the Warriors trade like James Wiseman too, because he was like the number, what was he, the number two pick in the draft like a few years back. Like maybe the Warriors decide to trade him and, you know, see if they can acquire like a veteran piece for their team. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I think we'll we'll start to see some movement with the trade deadline in the next coming days. I mean, as we're recording this, it's a week away. So that's kind of you know, this is kind of the period where I feel like things start to ramp up. Yeah, I got a long flight uh, from Medellin to Massachusetts. Well, I'm headed from Medellin to Miami and then from Miami to Boston. So I feel like I'm going to get off that plane, land in Boston at like 1230 at night, and then just see like a major trade happen, went down, and I'm going to be break, like, oh, break, break, Breaking news, the Detroit Pistons have traded for Giannis onto the Kumpo. <laughs> Dude, please, please let a miracle happen. Um, but no, like on a serious note, I will say that DeAndre Ayton contract is looking – like, look, he, he has good numbers. Like, his numbers aren't terrible, like 18 and 10. But you know who else was putting up 18 and 18 in a game? Andre Drummond. You know where he is now? I don't even think he's signed to a team right now. He's, uh, with, the, he's with the Bulls, I think. Is he actually? Yeah, he's, he's like, at the end of their bench, though. Like, he, yeah. he'll play, like, a couple minutes a game. But, yeah, he's uh he's still in the league. Still, I think he's with the Bulls right now. Right, right, right. But, like, point being is, you know, he's kind of – I'm not going to call him completely irrelevant now. Like you still got a contract in the NBA. You're doing, you're doing pretty well for yourself, but at the same time you're averaging, you know, 6.6 rebounds. Now it's different than how it was when he was on the Pistons, for example. And I think with DeAndre Ayton, I kind of see him as a, as a, basically a, as a Andre Drummond type guy that can maybe hit an occasional three, whereas Andre Drummond couldn't. But besides that, like, is he worth $32 million or whatever they're paying him per year? No, like I would have, if I was the Suns, I think they should have just let him walk, get nothing for him. And then use that $32 million on players who could have complimented their bench and really rounded out that team. I mean, Jay Crowder doesn't even want to be there. Like he hasn't played a, a game this entire season, but yeah. on the bench. 
that and and, and that's a player I think could, I think the Suns will probably move. Like Jay Crowder's been a guy who's been like a good veteran piece on some like really good teams. Like obviously not got you know full time. I mean, he, I think he might have started for the Suns last season, but like he's a guy who can like come off the bench and be like a decent like two way two way guy like and can be that for you. Yeah, definitely, and and I think Lakers will be an interesting team to monitor as well. Um, just seeing if they do trade those two first round picks that are so coveted in, I believe, 2027 and 2029, which, I mean, they're very hesitant to do. And fair enough, you don't want to throw away all the assets that you can potentially throw away at once. But, I mean, it's going to be an interesting trade in line. Hopefully, it's not like 2020 um, when there was really no no oh, trade, yeah. no trades, really. And hopefully, it's yeah. more like the 21 deadline where there was, you know, like I said, like 15 and 16 trades deadline day. I'm hoping to see something crazy, but, you know. Only time will tell. Yeah, only time will tell. I'm hoping my Celtics decide. I don't know if the Celtics really need to make a move, but like if they wanted to add, like a like I said earlier, like a Yakapono maybe. But yeah, so yeah, I'm really hoping for kind of a a good trade deadline, something to talk about next time. Definitely. And bringing up the Lakers, I think by the time that we record next week, LeBron James will probably, if he keeps up the scoring pace that he's on right now. We'll have broken the all-time record for scoring in, in regular season, which is obviously no small uh, feat at all. That is one of the greatest accomplishments I've seen anybody pull. I think I don't have the exact number of what what it is that uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is. I believe it's thirty-eight thousand three hundred eighty-seven points or something like that. It's wow. it's high up there. <laughs> A lot of if points. That right, that's impressive. I don't yeah, know. I, I hope I did, but I don't believe I did. It, it's thirty-eight thousand something. I know that for a fact. Close but, <laughs> uh, LeBron James is approaching that, and I mean, dude, this this goes as a just a huge compliment to LeBron what he's been able to do. I heard I heard something recently, which I think it really stuck with me, where somebody said something like Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time, but LeBron James has had the greatest career of all time with the sustainability that he's been able to have. I mean, the guy is 38 now, and he's putting up 30 points a game still, which is just mind-blowing. Even though he's on a terrible team now, I, I mean, and that's that's the thing. Whenever people want to bring up LeBron, they want to bring up, um, you know, the eight years they made the final. Oh, he was in a weak um, Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference couldn't compete with him. They, they were weak. Uh, the West was the strong one. Uh, you know, he goes to Miami, obviously, continues that streak, uh, made it, you know, to eight straight Eastern Conference finals. He's won four championships, three championships with three different teams. I mean, Sorry, like the, the guy's crazy. Everything he's been able to do. And he's also another very underrated feat where I don't think people give him enough enough credit is his passing. He is fourth on the all-time assist list. Yeah, he passed um, – didn't he pass Mark Jackson and Steve Nash like the last game he played? Yeah. Crazy. yeah. So that just shows you just how great he is really at basketball. Like – Michael Jordan, the GOAT, but I mean, LeBron James, there's an argument to be made that he's had the more consistent, long-term, sustainable career. That's, yeah, that's the, that's the argument everyone wants to do. But I mean, two just on top of their game players. I mean, I think they're the two best players to play the game, period. Um, Whoever you want to put ahead of who, like, I don't really care. But yeah, LeBron's, LeBron's a monster. And, you know, like you said, to average 30.2 points per game when he's 38 years old, it's just kind of you really marvel and be like, we're, you know, just we're witnessing greatness here. Like, this is a player that 
honestly might never come about again. Like, I mean, maybe there'll be another like LeBron player, but I don't know, man, we might not get one for a long time. Uh, it's, it's crazy what this guy has been able to do. And he's just in, he's in the top 10, like basically every single category. The guy's been doing this since he's been 18 years old coming into the league. Like, it's absurd. And the career that he's put together has been nothing short of spectacular. And, you know, now he's going to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like he's going to be in a tier of his own in the points category. So congratulations ahead of time to you, LeBron. He has not shown any signs of slowing down. So we'll probably see LeBron, you know, for another few years or so, however long he decides to want to play basketball. I think he's still at the top of his game and he's just been uh, he's been unbelievable this season despite the Lakers being 13th in the west like he's been you know he just had a triple double uh two nights ago as we're recording this at Madison Square Garden and he might have been I don't know if that was the he has the record now for being the oldest player to record a triple double but uh it's it's just crazy for what what LeBron's been doing for sure dude I I mean can't disagree with that at all I will say one thing, though, that's very intriguing, like, I think the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar record, I don't think we ever really expected that to be broken. I will say, just to end the show off with this one record that will never be broken, that is absolutely mind-broken. It breaks my mind every time I read this. Jerry Rice is 197 receiving touchdowns in his career. That's absurd. The second is Dude. Randy Moss. I believe Randy Moss is like 155, 160, something like that. You know what's so crazy? I was looking at Jerry Rice's stats today. I'm not even kidding. I like went to his like football reference page and was I was I like just bored. Like I was just looking at like some of like the greatest players of all time in the reference page. I'm like, dude, Jerry Rice, there's nobody that's gonna be a better receiver than this guy. Like it's absurd. This guy had twelve hundred yards as a forty year old receiver on the Raiders. Like, who is who's gonna be that good at being a wide receiver at the NFL at age forty? It's like insane. He has just crazy but i don't know i was it's so so funny you bring that up because i was literally looking at like quarterback stats running back stats wide receiver stats i was looking at some defensive players because i was just bored and yeah i looked at jerry Wright's stats today and yeah nobody's passing him <laughs> yeah especially the fact that he was in an era where like it wasn't the air raid offense that we know today where everything yeah, is throw, throw 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 deep like that makes it all the more special. I mean, the sustainability that guy had i really think that's a record we will not see broken at all in our lifetime no. I don't think we're ever, we will ever see Will Chamberlain's record be broken either. I don't think there's going to be a period where a player scores 101 points in a game. I just don't see it. Like this season, like Donovan Mitchell had a 70 point game, but like still 31 points off. Like he'd, it's, yeah. I will it's say, I do think that record has a better chance of falling than the Jerry Rice one just because, you know, three pointers yeah. exist. You know, there, there's so many people that want to be Curry nowadays. There'll be one guy that just throws up 53 pointers in a game and, and like, you know, 25 of them will go in or something. And All right, so, Kay, some crazy Kay, stuff will happen. Kay Cunningham's going to do it in 2025. <laughs> hey, let's hope that the championship year, I told you that, man. It's going yeah. to be the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Detroit Pistons. 2025, you heard it here first. SGA versus Cade and potentially Victor Wembanyama. That'd be pretty cool. Hey, we'll see, man. It's going yeah. to be interesting. But, yep. But uh, yeah, that was it for Rough in the Basket. Um, very fun episode. I know this was longer than we usually go, but obviously a lot of cover. Definitely want to talk some NBA finally. Long overdue. So yeah. we will try to be more consistent with the NBA talk in the coming weeks, especially with the, the offseason approaching yeah. quickly for the NFL. 
yeah, I mean, well, like you said earlier, we will also be an XFL, USFL podcast as well. But yeah, we'll definitely incorporate more basketball. All-Star weekend is going to be coming up eventually um, in this month. And then we'll, you know, we'll get to the second half of the season. And that's kind of where the NBA starts to ramp up and playoffs will be here, you know, right around the corner. And, you know, they'll be here right before you know it. But yeah, that's it for this week's episode of Rough in the Basket. Thank you so much for you guys listening. Uh, make sure you guys go check out our Twitter at Rough the Basket. You can follow us on Instagram at Rough in the Basket. Go check out some of the new reels that Noah has put up there. Uh, very informative stuff. Uh, go check those out. And then you can follow me on Twitter at bcar underscore 13. And you can follow Noah on Instagram at mburnt37. Do you have anything this week, Noah? You kind of like brought up the Jarrett Rice thing out of thin air. So, I mean. yeah, dude, it's 925 at night, man. I'm out of it. I got nothing for you. Yeah, that's all right, bro. But very exciting episode. Uh, Thank you guys so much. And we will see you guys next time. Peace out.